Welcome. We have been expecting you. <laughs> Shadows. It's Halloween. 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 Happy Halloween! Welcome to History Goes Bumps Halloween Special 2021. We're so happy you joined us. Who's here? Grocery delivery! Oh. oh, come in. Set it down here. On the counter. Yes, thank you. Care to stay a while? <laughs> so excited. This is our favorite time of the year. And we know for 2020, a lot of people, Halloween was kind of a downer because COVID canceled a lot of plans, but it hasn't been that way this year. Have you been out to the haunted house attractions? Have you gone on a haunted hayride or maybe even a regular hayride? Explored any creepy mazes? Carved some pumpkins? Ooh, I love the smell of pumpkins when the candle's burning inside and you put the lid on. Oh, yeah. Pumpkin-y, smoky smell. And I know you love roasting those pumpkin seeds. I sure do. I've got my special recipe. We have a bunch of craft pumpkins that we've carved and we have them year after year after year, but we always have to get at least one so that you can get your seeds. Are you going to be handing out candy this evening? And what kind? And what have you dressed as for Halloween? We know some of you have already been out doing things. Before Halloween, you're going to be doing stuff this weekend. What did you dress as? I'm sure a lot of you have shared your pictures in the Spooktacular crew. We love seeing them. Kelly, on our episodes, usually when it comes to Halloween, we have something that we kind of focus on. We've done all different parts of the history of Halloween and various traditions that we've adopted. We've done the history of haunted house attractions. Which you experienced pretty much your first one last year, right? Yeah, I've done some in the past, but 
last year was when we went to Screamageddon. I hadn't done a haunted house attraction in probably 25 years. And then you got the bug for it and you wanted to do Universal this year, but we just weren't able to. Yeah, we just didn't get around to it. But next year for sure. Well, we were going to go out to California and do all the stuff out there, but we didn't get a chance to do that. So hopefully next year we'll do a little bit more of the haunted house attraction stuff. Yep. Definitely have to wait for the boys for that one. Yes. Because honestly, I don't think I'd do it without them because it's just more fun when you've got a couple of young men running around with you two. <laughs> Teenage boys. Well, yeah. actually, yeah, young men. I was going to say, Kelly, Jared's not a teenager anymore. I know. (laughs) And we've also done horror hosts and talked about the different horror hosts over the years, some of our listeners' favorite ones. So this year I was like, well, what should we do as our focus for this episode? Because we always share a few listeners' real experiences. We don't have as many this year because I've just been sharing them like crazy all throughout the year. And that's basically what we've started doing. So we don't have as many of those for this episode. But when we were doing the Haunted Walt Disney World, we were doing some of the history of some of those rides and stuff. And of course, we all know that our beloved ride is the The Haunted Haunted Mansion. Mansion. So we're going to be talking about the history of the Haunted Mansion on this bonus episode. We have Shelby, our listener, to thank for that. She sent us that bracelet for Halloween. We love it. It's so adorable. What else did she send us? She sent us our amazing little ghost puppet. I love him. He actually greeted the door when your parents came by today. Yes, he is adorable. We've shared him up on Instagram and also in the Spooktacular crew. And kind of in honor of this episode that we're doing, we have Beth and Adam Vanderyat to thank for sending us haunted mansion t-shirts exactly we're wearing them as we speak oh it's so cool and scott sent us a box of goodies i mean who doesn't want a severed toe conjoined twins yeah those creepy things i put those up they're alien twins i'm not sure i put it up on instagram and said these things have been living in our kitchen and i'm not even sure what they are (laughs) and the little kelly vampire and the books and he always sends us a, a variety of goodies thinks of Halloween and trick-or-treating, more than just pillowcases full of candy come to mind. There's always that one creepy house in the neighborhood, the abandoned one, the one everyone claims is haunted. Maybe one with 999 ghosts and room for one more? Join us as we explore the history of the most famous haunted house in America, Disney's Haunted Mansion. 
Kindly watch your step as you board, please, and heed this warning. The spirits will only appear if you remain quietly seated at all times. Oh, yes, and no flash pictures. Now, as they say, look alive and we'll start our little tour. There's, There's no, no turning, turning back, back now. When the critters creak and the tombstones quake, flush your mouth for a swinging wake. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook passing by your side. Surrounded in a damp disguise. Favorite entertainer, right? Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Every neighborhood has one the haunted house. Except for our neighborhood, Kelly. I think we're too new to have one. It's a little bit of a new build. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Walt Disney understood this, and he knew eventually his Main Street would have one as well. The original concept was developed when Disneyland was being conceptualized. Marvin Davis at Wed Enterprises, and of course, I think most people who know Disney know that that's based on his initials, Walter Elias Disney, and that's what Imagineers were originally, drew a layout with a crumbling house on a hill overlooking Main Street. This idea was further expanded with Harper Goff, who is credited with being the very first Imagineer. Goff drew a panoramic view that he named Church, Graveyard, and Haunted House. These ideas were scrapped when a residential area was dropped from the plan for something better, a series of lands to visit. Imagine a time when Disneyland didn't have the Haunted Mansion, Kelly. (gasps) I know. It's a horrible idea. But that was the case when it opened in 1955. The haunted house idea was brought back in 1957 as Disney was looking for ways to expand his park. He put top animator Ken Anderson in charge of design. Anderson drew inspiration from the Shipley Lidecker House in Baltimore, as well as the Evergreen House there. Stanton Hall in Natchez, Mississippi also gave some inspiration. Anderson's creation looked much as one would expect, a dilapidated house that was dirty and old. Rather than putting the mansion on a hill in a residential area, the haunted house would be the centerpiece of a new land called New Orleans Square. This land was a way to embrace the influence of the South. Disney teased the idea with the BBC in London in 1958. He mentioned that he felt bad for all the ghosts that were probably displaced during World War II and announced that he was creating a retirement home for the world's homeless spirits at Disneyland. What a great idea. Splendid. Nice place for them to go retire. The plan was presented to Disney, who wasn't thrilled. Disneyland was a pristine park, Kelly. I mean, you never see a speck of trash anywhere there. So you can imagine having as this centerpiece in this land a house that looks like it's falling apart and has been abandoned. He couldn't have a blighted plantation house in the middle of all that. So the outside design was put aside as the team worked on the interior. And it's not surprising that Anderson drew inspiration from a trip he made to the Winchester Mystery House. That I didn't know. Very cool. He also developed a good ghost story for the house that featured an old sea captain named Captain Gore, who had disappeared under mysterious circumstances. We can't help but wonder if Captain Culpepper Klein, who's featured in the Walt Disney World Haunted Mansion Q, is a tribute to this concept. It's that captain that's laying down in that bathtub and there's bubbles that come up out of it and you kind of hear him gurgling every so often. Oh, yes. And the little sprays of water come out periodically exactly. and soak you when you're not Get somebody. it. <laughs> the mansion was his house and guests would be guided through it by either a maid or butler. 
the tour would start on a moving platform that would take them down to the basement. The Mater Butler tour guide would then take the group of guests around and point out secret passages, inanimate objects that would move, and changing portraits. Special effects and illusions would be used to pull off the haunting activity. Guests started their tour in a picture gallery. The captain had a bride named Priscilla, and she would be in the next room. Guests would see her break into a treasure chest only to discover her husband was actually a notorious pirate named Black Bart. The tour guide would relate that Priscilla disappeared and it was believed that Captain Gore killed her. An ominous bubbling well would hint at her final resting place. Walt thought this was too much, and Anderson came up with a second story about the Blood family and their home, Bloodmere Manor. This was an antebellum home, moved from New Orleans, and during its installation, a construction worker was accidentally walled up in the house. A third story was asked for, and this one featured Walt Disney welcoming guests, and then the tour guide, known as the Lonesome Ghost, would take over and share that a wedding celebration was underway until the bride, who could be seen at the end of the long hall, lost her head. Disney again shook his head as he thought that the tone wasn't right. Anderson then drew inspiration from Disney's version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. He decided that the tour would end in a graveyard with the Headless Horseman, which actually I think would be really cool. I would have liked that. (laughs) He would appear riding through the bushes with only his cape visible above them. There would be lightning, the sound of hoofbeats, and the howl of a werewolf. A wedding party would start after the horseman arrived, and guests featured Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, and other boogeymen. I mean, I'm loving this concept. (laughs) I am too. Sounds pretty cool, and everybody decided they would go forward with this. Now it was time to start designing all the scenes. And so Wed started making mock-ups of various scenes. And Disney brought over two other artists from the studio, Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie. Crump was a master of illusion, and he loved to build mobiles he called kinetic sculptures. Gracie was a mechanical genius and master model builder. These two men would bring the magic to our favorite attraction. They were inspired by the illusions of 19th century magicians and things like spirit cabinets. The men would read ghost stories to each other and build model after model of special effects. Jason Sorrell, in his book, The Haunted Mansion, Imagineering, a Disney Classic, shares a story Rolly told him. Yale had all his ghosts and magic strewn throughout the room. Once we got a call from personnel asking us to leave the lights on because the janitors didn't want to come in if it was dark. Well, we did. But we rigged the room. We put in an infrared beam. And when it was tripped, the room went to blacklight and all the ghost effects came on. (laughs) Sounds like a guy after my own heart. (laughs) I know. I love it. When we came in the next morning, all the effects were running and there was a broom lying in the center of the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Personnel called and said, you'll have to clean up your own room because the janitors won't go in there anymore. (laughs) I would have been like peed my pants and then I would have been so excited about all this stuff going on around me. I would have loved if they had had a recorder going to, I to know, film. They, you think with all the tech they had going on with that, that they would have had a camera to record what happened and have something more than just the broom laying in the middle of the floor. Gracie and Crump finally got a chance to stage a full mock-up scene to present to Disney and the suits. And it was a magnificent scene featuring the angry captain and his dead wife and ghosts that disappeared and water that dried up. The only problem was that the scene ran three minutes. Not only was this too long for the suits, but this meant the mansion would have to be a walkthrough attraction. Disney was really disappointed. He didn't want it to be a walkthrough. He wanted it to be a ride. And he didn't want to run down Manor, which is what the plan was still embracing. 
The haunted mansion was stalled until 1961. There were attempts to get the haunted house project back off the ground, but it was tabled again as the team of Imagineers started working on the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair. And of course, that's when we're going to get It's a Small World and the Carousel of Progress and great moments with Mr. Lincoln. So we're appreciative that they got all that stuff, too. After the World's Fair was done, the Haunted Mansion got back on track with Mark Davis joining the team. Davis's focus became creating various gags and scenes and characters. He's the one who came up with the official host to replace the lonesome ghost, our disembodied ghost host. You said it perfectly. (laughs) The team developed the stretching room, which was originally called the elongating room. I like stretching room better. (laughs) Yeah, stretching room's way better. The portrait gallery with the menacing character that crawled out of a picture. The seance room with a full-bodied medium known as Madame Z a ghost club room, and a room where a bride and her fiancé were murdered. Claude Coates joined the team with a focus on designing the interior environments for Davis's characters to live within. Ex Atencio joined the team as a script writer. He had just finished writing the script for the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. He would write our beloved Grim Grinning Ghost song. Yay, X. When the In December of 1966, Walt Disney died, and the creative leader for the mansion was gone. Mark Davis and Claude Coates were both placed in charge of the mansion, and creative differences cropped up, as one thought that the mansion should be scary, and the other thought it should be funny. And as we now know, the two camps collided. Yes, they did. The first half of the mansion has a spooky ambiance, while the second half is filled with whimsical characters. Although we know things have changed up a bit with the scary hatbox ghost making it into the attic scene at Disneyland and the murderous bride Constance making it into the attic at Walt Disney World. Wouldn't exactly call those whimsical characters. Another conflict was whether this would be a walkthrough or a ride-through attraction. The People Mover had a system called the Omni Mover, and this would be perfect for moving people through the mansion quickly. These would become the doom buggies we ride on through the attraction. This forced the Imagineers to change up some of their tricks and sight gags since people would be passing by very quickly. Because a lot of the stuff that they were engineering, again, like they had that three-minute scene where they're like, people are passing by. You've got to have stuff. Boom, 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 boom. And so even after that, they had some that were a little bit too long. After all the ideas were combined with Davis's characters and Coates' backgrounds, it was left to X to write the story, and it comes across as three acts. Act 1 features a foyer, where we see some paranormal things going on, but no ghosts. We meet up with Madame Leota in the seance room, who lets us know that the spirits are going to materialize. And in Act 2, they do, during our swinging wake in the dining room, 
and our visit to the attic. In Act 3, the Doom Buggy falls out of the attic window and into the graveyard for a wild ghost party, and we meet our three hitchhiking ghosts at the end with the greatest gag of all. The ghost joins the guests in their Doom Buggies. As we know, this got even better as technology got better, and the ghosts pull all kinds of gags on the riders. Paul Freeze became the voice of the ghost host and joins riders through most of the ride. Not many people know that a raven was supposed to be the first guide, but it turned out to be too small. There are various ravens spotted throughout the ride that are a tribute to that original idea. And don't quote me on this, Kelly, because this isn't in anything that I read, but I believe I'd heard somewhere that he was named Lucifer. Oh, quite fitting with his little red eyes. Yeah. The Haunted Mansion officially opened its doors to the public on August 9th, 1969. Can you believe it took that long for the Haunted Mansion to finally be at Disneyland? Well, it is our favorite, so I'm glad they took their time with it. I am too. (laughs) And with this came a record-breaking day for Disneyland. They broke their single-day attendance record with 82,516 people entering the park. Building on the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World had already begun, and it was decided that the Haunted Mansion would be a part of that park as well. So two of everything was made when the Haunted Mansion was being constructed. The house for this one would have to be different, because rather than having a New Orleans square, the Magic Kingdom would have Liberty Square set up like Colonial America. This mansion would be designed as a Dutch Gothic manor house. This mansion looks scarier than the one at Disneyland, and that was on purpose. The ride was ready to go by April 1971 before the Magic Kingdom even opened, which wouldn't happen for six more months because they had everything already prefabricated. That's nice. And I do have to say that of the two, I love having a plantation house and everything. My favorite is our Magic Kingdom Haunted Mansion. It just looks so much creepier on the outside. Yes, it is very grand. Tokyo Disneyland was also developed with the Haunted Mansion. This one was placed in Fantasyland to build a bridge to Westernland and is the same Dutch Gothic design as the one in the Magic Kingdom. Everything inside is the same as well. This opened on April 15, 1983. Disneyland Paris would host their Haunted Mansion in Frontierland, and the name would change to Phantom Manor. The design was as a Victorian manor that was dilapidated and is the most sinister looking of the Haunted Mansions. A ghostly version of Thunder Mesa, which is a town found in Frontierland, replaces the graveyard scene. Vincent Price's trademark laugh from Thriller plays throughout the mansion, and he voiced the ghost host for this one, until the park decided that they wanted a French version of the narration. This attraction opened on April 12, 1992. Hong Kong Disneyland would have a version of the Haunted Mansion as well. This one is named Mystic Manor and has a really cool design. It was inspired by the Carson Mansion in Eureka, California. There is a Russian onion dome, Gothic arches, and Cambodian temple features. Lord Henry Mystic would build this mansion, and it holds his collection of artifacts he collected while exploring the world. Guests board his Mystic Magneto electric carriage cars for a tour, which are not on a track like the Doom Buggies, and follow a path embedded in the floor. Wow, sounds similar to a couple of different rides we've been on recently. Yeah, I will never make it to Hong Kong, I know, but this ride sounds so amazing. We need to get on YouTube and see if there's one that we can follow in there. Definitely. Because it just sounds very cool. The cars are all on their own. They kind of sound like they spin around similar to at SeaWorld. They have a ride that's inside the Antarctica where you go to see the penguins and it's like this free floating car that spins around and does all kinds of stuff. This one only holds six people, whereas... Actually, I think the one at SeaWorld only holds six, too. 
it's really neat because it's so smooth and it just glides along. When we first wrote it, I thought it was kind of like a hoverboard situation. Yeah, it but feels kind of that magnetic. way. Yeah, it's kind of like when you uh, air hockey, how the yes, hockey puck goes. Exactly. So that's basically what you become here is a hockey puck moving around the Mystic Great. Manor. <laughs> <laughs> Mystic's monkey sidekick. Mystic's monkey sidekick Albert leads guests through a wild ride through the mansion when a haunted artifact causes crazy stuff to happen. Mystic Manor features an Egyptian room, a Nordic room, and a tribal arts room, and music orchestrated by one of our favorites, Danny Elfman. And all of that music fills the haunted house. Very cool. This mansion opened on May 17th, 2013, and I'm pretty sure, th- I think they only have three worlds at Hong Kong because it's a much smaller park. And I don't know if they have a fantasy land, but it's in a place that's kind of like a fantasy land. What I find fascinating is each park has the Haunted Mansion in a different place, depending upon how it fits the story that they're going with. Kelly, what is your favorite part of the Haunted Mansion? Oh, that's a loaded question. At Disneyland, definitely the Hatbox Ghost. Here at the Magic Kingdom, I have a hard time putting my finger on one thing. It's it's a bigger ride. It's a longer ride. There's more to see, especially even just in the queue. I don't know, probably the graveyard scene because I just love the song Grim Grinning Ghosts. But it's hard to put my finger on just one thing. I love the stairways when you first enter all the stairways and the library where you go in. It's floor to ceiling library with the statue busts that watch you. I don't know. I can't pick just one. (laughs) I can't remember the last time I was at Disneyland, but it was over 10 years ago. So I cannot remember how the Haunted Mansion was set up. And plus, when I went, the holiday layover was on it. Ah, yes. So I can't remember everything like that. But I do know probably would be the same for both. Definitely here. The graveyard scene, hands down, because there's just so much to see. You've got the song. You've got the gravedigger in there with his dog just shaking as they're looking at everything (laughs) right you got the singing busts that are in there it's just full of a bunch of wonderful stuff so that probably is my favorite scene when was the first time you climbed aboard a dune buggy oh gosh i was probably i would say four years and years ago i was little i could not place a direct age but i know it would have been before we moved to colorado and we moved when i was six So I'm sure I went on it before I was six, which leads us into the next question I'm going to ask all of you and the listeners. I hope you guys are answering these as well. Did anything scare you in the mansion? When the scary looking masks would pop up from behind the tombstone, those would get me. (laughs) I was fine with everything in the mansion. I think until we got, again, like the graveyard scene, that's where all the scary stuff really happens to me. And yeah, those things would pop up and those would get me a little bit when I was a kid. But you know what's funny is I remember being more scared on the Snow White ride. Oh, yeah. Than even Haunted Mansion. (laughs) And I believe the original man who had his hands all over this, Ken Anderson, the reason he was brought on for this was because he had designed Snow White's Scary Adventures. And that's Ah. what Walt was looking for. And yeah, I can tell you going through the trees that are trying to get a hold of you. Yes. ah, Terrifying. What is your opinion on the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay at Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland? 
I love it. (laughs) That is one thing that I really miss here. I wish that they would just create their own ride for that. You know, Jack Skellington and Nightmare Before Christmas is such a big part of Disney. I can't believe it's already been 25 years. That was last year was Mm -hmm. the 25th year anniversary. And he's such a popular character. I'm really surprised that they don't do it here. I know that they say it's because there's there's people coming internationally and everything and they want it to have the true to form haunted mansion. But then what say me? I say make a new ride. (laughs) Yeah, I'd heard that as the excuse for many years. But here's where that falls apart, because I only thought they did this at Disneyland until I started doing the research for this and saw that they do it in Tokyo Disneyland, too. So I'm like, okay, you can stop with the international people coming and you need to have the original. Yeah, so I'm very bummed we don't get the overlay here. Nightmare Before Christmas. They see how popular it is. Their stuff sells off the shelves quick. Why wouldn't you have some kind of a ride or something? You can't get pictures with those characters. They have them like during Halloween. And you you could stand in line for forever and never get your picture with those characters. Right. So I'm like, it is time that they get their due. I really hope that they consider doing that in the future. I mean, in California, it's only there from about the last week in September. I always knew it was going to be there in time for Jared's birthday. And then it would come down like the week after New Year's. So it wasn't there for a huge amount of time, but it's plenty of time, even if they just did it for a few months, October through December. I mean, clearly you've got all the stuff for it because you've got it at two other places. It wouldn't be that hard to get it fabricated. And I don't know. I would love it, but if we had our druthers. <laughs> if only Disney would listen to us. Hey, can you go keep it down, please? I am trying to get some sleep here. You want to know some other little known facts about the Haunted Mansion? I sure do. Pet cemeteries are a part of all the mansions and got their start at Disneyland in an enclosed garden at the side of the mansion. This was created in the early 1980s by Kim Irvine, who was a senior concept designer in Imagineering. She also was the daughter of Leota Toombs, who was the model for Madame Leota. Very cool. Irvine had bought a bunch of statuary from local nurseries and had a writer create humorous epitaphs for them. So that's where all the pet cemeteries have come from. I love that. Kind of like how I make all the tombstones for a graveyard and try to find funny things to put on them. (laughs) Exactly. Stay in the stretching room as long as possible and you will hear the gargoyles whispering to each other and you. And now I have done that. I never knew that before all these years that I've been enjoying the mansion. Yeah, because usually you just march out of there and don't even think about it. And one time I had someone I'd heard, they said, stay in the stretching room and the gargoyles will talk to you. It is very hard to hear them. They whisper very softly, but I have heard occasionally, watch your step and get out. (laughs) Another fun fact for me personally is that my great uncle, his name was Roy, And he was an engineer, and he actually worked on the elevator that is the actual stretching room at Disneyland. Very cool. So I have a personal family connection to that. In Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, the floor of the stretching room actually does go down, taking guests 15 feet underground. Because as people probably know, Disneyland did not have a lot of room, so a lot of their rides are underground. So that they could be past the berm of what is associated with Disneyland, so they're not actually within the park limits. At Walt Disney World, the stretching room ceiling goes up while the guests remain on the same level in which they entered. And sometimes the magic there gets busted for you if the doors are still left open from when people have exited and you're getting into the elevator. Oh, no. Because you could see that you could just walk <laughs> straight on through. That's and not good. there are times when it hasn't been working properly and they just have you walk straight through. Oh, geez. So you know that nothing is stretching there or going anywhere. 
The candelabra in the endless hallway is painted completely black on the back to keep it from reflecting in the mirror that's at the end of the hallway, which helps to make the hallway look so long. Oh. There is a thin black scrim that grows across the hallway to obscure any reflection as well, and it gives the hallway a misty look. The chair that is here has a face purposefully sewn into the design, and I have heard people say that it is a hidden Donald Duck. Really? So the next time you're in the mansion, look at it and see, does it kind of look like a a hidden Donald Duck to you? In the mid-1980s, cast members wandered inside the mansion at Disneyland and popped out at various times. So like there was one that was dressed up like a knight in armor and other little spooky things, and they would just pop out from the gravestones and things like that. But this proved to be too scary and also dangerous for the cast members because occasionally people got into swinging and hitting at the things that were coming near them. (laughs) I would imagine so. The spell book in the seance room has a picture of the hatbox ghost dressed as a Sith-wielding death figure on one page. And the spell Peter Ustinoff uses to call forth Blackbeard's ghost in the 1967 film is on the other page. One of the pistol-wielding duelists in the dining room has a familiar face. He is the auctioneer from Pirates of the Caribbean. I never knew that. Uh, so if you look at him, you will see he looks a little bit recognizable. The name of the ghost swinging from the top of the chandelier is named Pickwick. That's cute. And the only way you know <laughs> that is it's in the original concept. They just put his name on there. The organ is from the movie 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. People may recall that Captain Nemo played this pipe organ. That is so cool. Yeah. So they. I'm re- loving all these little fun facts. Yeah, they repurposed <laughs> it from the movie. Constance's husbands were named Frank, Reginald, Ambrose, the Marquis, and George. The hatbox ghost was always supposed to be part of the attic scene. Mark Davis designed him, and he was actually installed right across from the bride. But the illusion that was part of him never worked, and he was removed before opening day. So they kept testing it and testing it. I think the problem is because his head would disappear from his body and go into the box and then it would be back on top of his head. But when people were coming around, the illusion didn't quite pull off. You would see the head in both places sometimes and stuff. So they were like, you know what? We're just going to have to pull it because it is not working. He would return to the attic or, I mean, he's not technically in the attic. He's right outside the door as you're falling out into the graveyard. Right. In 2015, with technology that wasn't around until recently. So they couldn't have done how they pull it off until now anyway. I was so excited the first time I saw it. (laughs) I bet. I'm just dying to see it in real life. And it makes his illusion work perfectly, as I just said. There is a tribute to him in the Walt Disney World mansion in the form of a hat rack. So for those of you who are in the attic scene and you're looking over at Constance, usually you don't look over to the other side because you're paying attention to her. But if you do and you look over to the side, you will see a very tall hat rack there with hats on it. And that is in tribute to the hatbox ghost. And if the hatbox ghost's face looks familiar, it's because he and Ezra share a mold. I had always wondered about that, especially when I started making our wood cutouts, because I was looking at so many different pictures as I was sketching everything out. I was so curious. (laughs) That is really cool to know. And I was going to ask you that because I'm like, Kelly has been working intently on these wooden mock-ups that she made of the hitchhiking ghosts and the hatbox ghosts. And if you're interested in seeing those, we have them up on Instagram. And I was like, I wonder if she was, when she was working on that, if she noticed that Ezra, who is the skeleton hitchhiker, looks the same as the hatbox ghost. You just change, you know, what they're wearing and stuff, but it's the same face. Very cool. So they saved money with it by using the same mold. I guess it just looks so creepy. They were like, well, this will be perfect because we want the hatbox ghost to basically look like a skeleton. So Right. The ghost that tells you to hurry back 
hurry back. Don't forget to bring your death certificate. At the end of the ride is called Little Leota because Leota Tombs is also the model for that one. So she and Madame Leota are exactly the same. I actually thought that it was intentional. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I thought it was her, just in a in a different form. Yeah. So, so that's Little Leota. So that is your history of the Haunted Mansion. And for those of you who want to know more about the haunts, because there are haunts to both the one at Disneyland and at Walt Disney World, and maybe at the other ones. I don't know. I haven't heard any stories about those ones. Listen to our uh, Haunted Disneyland or Haunted Walt Disney World episodes, and you'll hear about the haunts that are the real ones at the Haunted Mansion. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and end this Halloween episode with some of your real ghost stories. We're going to start off here with Michael. He had told us, Hi all, I've always been a strong empath, and recently I've been hearing voices, some murmurs, and a few clear. I keep hearing my name. I saw my first full-bodied apparition yesterday. I was on I-70 in Independence, Missouri. I clearly saw a man in what looked like coveralls walking straight to the interstate. But when we got to where I saw him, no one was there. It was odd. I saw it, and just as we were coming up on him where he would have been close to the car... He just wasn't there anymore, like he dissipated. I was excited and bewildered. It's my first ghost scene with my eyes. Then I was really excited to get in here and let you guys know about it. Very cool. We are still waiting for our first full-bodied apparition. (laughs) Yes, we are. And it's so interesting. We went and did Cemetery Bingo this last weekend. And our listener Kay was sharing some stories with us of her experiences And I was just like, here we have this person, you know, it's usually the people who aren't looking for full-bodied apparitions, and then they see them, and we're like looking for them. And no. (laughs) Do you want to share the story that she told us about that I think it was the first one that she'd ever seen? I believe what she said is she had been out running errands or doing something with her family. She was 10 years old, I believe she said, and she was the first one into the house. When she got into the kitchen, there was an older pot-bellied man. (laughs) Yeah, she said he had a bit of a beer belly on him. Yeah, a bit of a beer belly. He was as real as you or I. Yeah, so he he was solid. Mm -mm. He was solid, and he raised his arm and looked at his watch, and then just disappeared. And that's how she knew it was a ghost, because she said at first when she walked in, it was like there's somebody in our house, right? And then she said it was just really weird. He just like looked at his watch, and all of a sudden was gone. The people who lived next door had been there for a couple of decades, I think. Well, they they had been there, I think, since her house was built. Yeah. So they said they've always known the people who had lived there and nobody had died at that house or anything. Right. 
So it was a real mystery as to who that was. So we weren't sure if it was like a walkthrough, if they had somebody who was attached to them. And speaking of which, I think she had an experience with her grandfather too, didn't she or something? Well, there was a time where she had a plate of food and drink and the way she was holding it, she couldn't manage to pull her chair out at the table to sit down to eat without potentially dropping everything. And her grandparents, I believe, were sitting at the table and suddenly the chair moved out for her and she got really confused because she wasn't able to move it. She couldn't move the chair with her foot or anything. So she asked if they had moved the chair out for her and they said, no, we can't reach it. So she feels like, you know, the spirit that was there, kind, friendly spirit and was helping her out, helping her out. Yeah. Well, she definitely seems to feel like she is sensitive. So I said, well, the next time we're going to do an investigation around here in Florida, you need to come with us. Absolutely. Yes, her and her family are are sensitive. Yeah, something they've passed down. Pavel sent me his experiences on Instagram. Well, I met my now ex-wife on January 14th of 1997. We got married a little bit after that, and we lasted almost 24 years together. Since the day we met until our wedding day, we had 45 days. We had to do many things on their own. There wasn't a, they didn't have a lot of time for that. To situate you in the context of what was happening in our lives, I was a freshman in college, a Russian, 19 years old, living in Peru. My ex-wife lived almost all her teenage years in the USA and was coming from a bad engagement breakup with her boyfriend in the States. We met and immediately fell for each other. We met in Peru at her parents' business. We had to do many things ourselves, like I said, because of a time shortage and we had a very limited budget. One of the duties was to deliver the invitation cards to friends and family that were living in town. My dad lent me his car, and we did the city drop-offs. Then we had to go to a little town located about 20 miles from the city to deliver some cards out there. This little town is called Wanchaco, absolutely beautiful beach town. There were two ways to get there. One was through a regular highway that pretty much everyone is taking, and another was by the Pan American Highway, which is desolate and has very little transit but it's very beautiful because it runs about a half mile from the ocean. Unfortunately, it is also very dangerous because it is desolate. Many robberies take place on that highway. The distance that we had to travel was about 10 miles. It was probably around 7 p.m. The sun started setting and probably at mile number five, my car overheated. It had never happened before and it never happened again. We were in the middle of nowhere with an overheated car while it was getting dark by the minute. And it's on this dangerous highway. Yikes. To make you understand what was our situation, imagine standing on an empty highway. One side of the road is sand, goes all the way to the horizon line, and in the other side, and on the other side, sand and ocean. We saw a little and old house about a mile away from the road. I thought, there's no way no one lives there. Then in a few minutes, we saw a couple walking towards us from the house. I was very thankful that at least someone saw us. The couple came to us, bringing to us a bottle with water. And the man said, you need water because your car overheated. It took me by surprise because there was no way in the world they could have heard us from the house, especially when we never said anything about the car being overheated outside of the car. All the conversation about the malfunctioning took place inside the car. I asked him, how do you know we needed water? His answer was, we heard you. His wife never spoke, so they never heard her say anything. I said, thank you, and was ready to take the water container out of his hands when he said, no worries, we will do it. When they finished, I pulled my wallet out of my pocket and asked him how much I owed him. And he extended his hand towards me, you know, like making the stopping sign Uh and said, we don't need your money. Please help me if one day you see me on the side of the road and also pray for all of us. And they started walking away. I felt peace, lots of peace. My girlfriend and I looked at each other very confused. It lasted maybe five to 10 seconds 
when we turned towards them and they were several hundred yards away. There was no way they could walk or even run that fast. And a few seconds after that, they just vanished. The car worked perfectly fine after that encounter. We got married and had three kids. Unfortunately, we're no longer together. C'est la vie. That's really interesting. It reminds me a lot of your story where you're, you you considered him your guardian angel, helped push your car out of an intersection <laughs> and got you to safety. And once you got out to thank him, he was just gone. I totally, when Pavel shared that story with me and I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I had happen. It's like the exact help I needed in just that moment shows up and then you go to like pay the person, tip the person, thank the person, and they're just gone. And you're like, there's no way, even if they were running. And it would be really weird for somebody to help push your car, or in this case, fill your car with water, and then just like take off. Right. And the fact that they were so far away after just a few seconds. Yeah. It's like they just looked at each other like, wow, that was amazing. And then look back and it's like, whoa, they're almost to the house, (laughs) which is way off in the distance. And then wait a minute, where'd they go? Yeah, very strange, but very very nice. Tim wrote, this happened before 1900 at the Beatty Graveyard, about seven miles in the country northeast of Bethel Springs. My great-grandmother lived in a house down the hill from the graveyard. The road that passed by our house in those days was the way people traveled from Jackson to Purdy, which had been our county seat up till 1890. Late one afternoon, she saw two men riding by on horseback. As they rode to the top of a hill, my great-grandmother heard voices raised and looked from the end of her porch to see one man shoot the other. He then robbed him right there at the graveyard. The robber was caught the next day not far away. The two men had met at a horse auction in Purdy, and the man who was robbed had quite a bit of money on him. My great-grandmother had to testify in court to convict the killer. Ever since that murder, people have reported seeing a man on a horse near the graveyard on a dark night in the mist. That whole area has always given me the creeps. Back in the 1970s, my brother and his friend were building a little shack in the woods to camp out along that road that passed the cemetery. The road is now just a dirt trail in the woods. My brother was there working on the roof near dark, and as he was finishing up for the day, he heard hoofbeats coming up the road. They came from towards Purdy and got nearer and nearer. He started looking for the horse but saw nothing. Closer and closer, the hoofbeats came. Still, there was nothing. He was still on the roof when the hoofbeats went right by the shack and on up the hill toward the cemetery. He saw nothing. He climbed down, jumped into his car, and drove home as fast as he could. I was sitting with my folks on the front porch when my brother pulled up. By then it was dusky dark. He was visibly shaken and very excited as he told us what had happened. He never went back to work on that shack again. (laughs) I rode over with my dad many years after that and saw the rotted remains of the shack my brother and his friend were building. It was right against the old dirt road where the invisible horse had galloped by. I can see why he was so scared. I've never traveled through that area alone at night. It's just way too creepy. Aw. And then Tim also shared this story. This is a true story of something that happened during the night while sitting up with a corpse. What? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) A man in the community where my dad grew up near Bethel Springs had passed away. My dad's sister had married the son of the man who died, so they were all sort of related. Back then, the funeral home would bring the bodies home to be laid out if the family chose to do so. In the country, this was common up through the early 1970s. The night the man was brought out to see his home for the visitation, or laying a corpse as they called it, funny things were seen and heard. As people sat around visiting during the evening, a loud crash was heard that hit the wall with so much force that the house shook and a fog of dust drifted from the plank wall where the sound was heard. Whoa. That's hitting something pretty hard. Everyone was startled and reasonably so. The wife of the dead man told the guests not to be alarmed. 
She said that this kind of thing happened all the time and that it was nothing to be afraid of. What? (laughs) Wow. Oh, don't mind the banging around. What, giant rats in the walls? My dad had come to the visitation with his parents to stay the night with the family. He had a busy day and he was tired, so he was given a place to sleep in one of the bedrooms. After the noise, the dead man's wife confided to my dad's mother that her husband had had a visitation from a long-deceased uncle shortly before his death. She said he had trouble sleeping and was laying awake when he saw the uncle enter through the wall. He came forward and took a seat in the chair in the corner. He just stared at her husband for a few minutes. Then, without saying a word, he got up and went out through the wall the same way he'd entered. Wow, I wonder if there had been a door there previously? I don't know, but how unnerving. It's almost like he was coming to tell him you're going to die, Yeah, but didn't tell him. Just sat there and looked at him. The man woke his wife and told her what he'd seen. It wasn't long till her husband was dead. She took the visitation as an ill omen. Sometime during the night, my dad who went to sleep in the bedroom was woken up by someone moving and loud breathing in the bed next to him. Thinking that another guest had bedded down next to him, which would be kind of terrifying without telling you, he turned over to see who was making such commotion. There was no one there. He jumped up from the bed and ran out into the room where the other people were sitting up with the dead man, only half-dressed and scared to death. As far as I know, (laughs) that was the last weird thing that happened that night, but my dad never forgot it. He always told his kids about what happened in that old farmhouse the night they went to sit up with an old man's corpse. My goodness. And then finally, this is from Mountaineer Forever. I've had several instances of the paranormal over the years, beginning when I was a child and becoming more prevalent and frequent as an adult. The most prevalent instances that happened to us was when we moved back to Concord in 2007. We moved into an old two-story mill house. The day we moved in, several odd things happened. First of all, the shelves in the pantry collapsed. We chalked that up to the shelves being overloaded. Second, we heard water running and found the kitchen spigot running when no one had been in the room. Next, we heard water running and found the downstairs bathtub almost full with the spigots open wide. Later that night when we went to bed, I heard footsteps on the stairs. This is their first night. Oh, my God. Goodness. This went on for several nights. Finally, I could hear drawers sliding and the closet door opening. I looked over on separate occasions and I saw a dresser drawer suddenly stop in motion opening and the closet door suddenly stop. I pretty much kept all of these nighttime activities to myself. Sometime later, my partner told me that the morning we walked in that he felt a presence. He is much more in touch with spiritualism than I am. I tend to have occurrences happen. Some time passed and things weren't going well. We'd had a rather nasty argument, but had made up and proceeded to go to bed. He went upstairs with our smallest dog, and I stayed down with the older dog to lock up the house. As the dog and I were crossing through the living room, he stopped and dug his nails into the carpet. He tucked his tail and began whimpering, and I could literally see his hair stand up. I picked him up, and he clawed me, trying to keep me from going up the stairs. Once we reached the bedroom, the room was empty. My partner was nowhere to be found. We checked all the rooms upstairs and found him under the bed, extremely pale and shaking. Oh, dear. (laughs) After a few minutes of back and forth, he grew even more pale and stated, Oh, God, I don't want to talk about it. I pushed to know what he was referring to. He said he was getting clothes from the closet and heard footsteps coming up the stairs and down the hallway. He said he kept calling my name, and when I didn't answer, he turned to face the room door. When he did, he saw a full-bodied apparition of an old lady peering into the room from the hallway. We were pretty well shaken up by this. We went to bed and just laid there. I remembered that we hadn't taken our meds and got up to get them from the kitchen. When I reached the top of the stairs and looked down, I was aghast. All of the downstairs lights were turned on as if it were Times Square. From that point forward until we moved out several weeks later, each morning we would find the doors unlocked and or standing open. That's something that always scares me when people tell these stories because I'm like, anybody can come into your house then. Right. 
When we decided to move, I was telling our next door neighbor that we were moving. He then asked if we were moving because the house was haunted. (laughs) So clearly they knew. (laughs) I was floored. He then went on to explain who the ghost was and several incidents over the years since she had died in 1972. It's like, could have you told us that before we moved in? (laughs) Well, I would have been curious if you had attempted to make peace and make requests to not do this or not do that. But maybe it just was too disruptive to them too. Yeah, as we know, there's, <laughs> a lot to coexist. Of, there's a lot of people, they just don't know what to do. So their easiest thing is just get the heck out rather than let's, right. we can either share the house friendly or you need to get out one or the other. So right. A lot of people don't know that you can do that. Well, Kelly, we are hoping that everyone has a very happy and safe Halloween. Definitely lots of treats and not many tricks. And make sure that you share your costume pictures with us. Let us know about your plans, what you're doing. Thanks so much for joining us for our Halloween special here in 2021. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Go home. We have no treats for you here.